We are on the last day of the season at New Road, looking out over a rather damp New Road as we uh, wait for the umpires to decide whether there's going to be any cricket. Uh, and uh, Bradders and I thought we would take the opportunity to talk to uh, one of the journalists who's covering this game, and uh, that's Paul Edwards. He's written a book this year which is on sale in the club shop here at New Road and uh, on Amazon and various other outlets. It's an absolutely beautiful cricket book, in my opinion. It's called Summer Day's Promise. It's got a wonderful photograph on the cover of uh, the cricket ground at uh, Sedba up in Cumbria, where Lancashire play occasionally. And uh, very pleased to say that Paul joins us. Paul, good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, uh, Frank. It's an absolute delight to be here. It is a little bit dismal at the moment, but, but New Road is endless in its fascination for me. I was here in January and I thought it was wonderful, so um, I'm completely lost to this place and it's just a delight to be here. Yeah. One was play in January, though, was there, mate? You know? There wasn't, no. Oh. There, wasn't, there, there wasn't a vast amount, though oh. the umpires did inspect on a couple of occasions. <laughs> um, but I woke up one morning... Uh, sorry, I did it's, that! It's, I woke up one morning. I know, we're into a blues set already, aren't we, <laughs> brothers? But, no, I, I woke up, I was doing some work um, for the club interviews, and one thing and another, and there was a, a thick mist... Lying, lying across the ground. I'd never seen that. You never do if you if you cover games of cricket in the summer. And there's this thick mist lying on the ground. I just sat in the sat in my bedroom window and just watched it lift. Mm. That's one of the most beautiful things I've seen. So mm. uh, no, it's always a delight to come here. I used to live about a mile up the road from here, and winter walks were with my kids as well mm. when they learned to ride their bikes and everything but was going around here in the winter on a frosty morning you think oh there ain't many better places absolutely. as long as it's not flooded absolutely not and people complain they say it's cold and they say, i say well that's why we've got clothes really you know <laughs> it's, uh, that's, that's one of the advantages of them you can you can sort of put them on when it's cold no such thing as bad weather just bad clothes or the only different types of good oh. Paul, before we actually yeah. start talking about the book, you're a Lancashire man, really, um, but I, I think it's fair to say that uh, you, you cover all the counties, obviously, in your yeah. professional life, but you've got a bit of a soft spot for the pairs, haven't you? I've got a very soft spot uh, for, for Worcestershire. I came here, I think, we were coming back from holiday in something like 1976, would it be? Yeah, 76. And that was my first visit to New Road. And really, my parents, uh, you know, stopped off for lunch, which, as far as I was concerned, meant, where can I find the cricket ground? Yeah. And we had lunch at Worcester. And so so I disappeared, and it, it ended up into quite a long lunch, though not what my parents intended, because I came down here and watched some cricket, and I thought, oh, my Lord, you know, um, if they can keep heaven, I'll stay here. Um, so I have got a huge fondness for Worcestershire and of course it's been important in my career because one of the things in the book is, is Chantry's match which was important in a way in, in, in the work that I do for Crick Info because it, it was just such a, a game and Jack is such a person that captures people's imagination mm. and I did that, I did four days and then I sort of put together Jack's uh, testimonial brochure um, and Brad has quoted from it at the at the yeah. at the, the testimonial dinner. So, and actually, t t I often say there's something about every county in that book, but honestly, I reckon there's more about Worcestershire than than anything else. 
the point you make, Frank, about my be- having an attachment to all 18 counties is actually very, very important. I've got an attachment to all 18 counties and I'd like to see them play 14 first-class matches for the, for the rest of time. Thank you very much, just to make the political point before we move on. But I was actually born in Sussex. I was born in Sussex and although my, the, probably tell from the accent, although the majority of my life has been spent in the northwest of England and I've got a huge fondness for Lancashire because when I was starting at that was where I saw my first game in Southport in 1965 um, I've got a huge fondness for Lancashire I'm not a fan or a supporter in the conventional sense I've just got a huge amount of sympathy for for the people at Lancashire and I like to see that the county I least like to see suffer is still Sussex but there's a lot of other counties I don't want to suffer as well. Actually, 17 of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, turning our attention to the book, mm-hmm. I've, I've read most of it. I haven't read every chapter because it is one of those books that you can pick up and put down and pick a bit out here and a bit out there. It's a, it's a, it's a, a real mixture of, of um, pieces that you've written about days cricket, profiles of players, mm-hmm. past and present. Um, I would recommend it very very highly to listeners it's called as i say summer day's promise um paul edwards is is the the author paul you are a writer in my opinion who who takes me back to the days when this press box in a day's championship cricket would be filled with one journalist from each of the national newspapers and writers like david foot who was always one of my great favorites mm. people may remember in the guardian cricket correspondent always to be found usually in the west country somerset bristol often here um and he wrote essays at the end of the day he didn't write journal he didn't write cricket reports he wrote essays they were beautiful i used to sit and watch him in the press box and see that he didn't even pick his pen up till about four o'clock and then he would just sit there and produce these beautiful pieces of writing and and dare i say it without wanting to seem sort of too um too much of a, of a creep to the teacher you write in that way mm-hmm. in this modern age is that is that a, is that just something that happened or is that a, a deliberate intention creeps fine frank i can <laughs> I, okay you can give me all the creep you like thanks very much indeed um i that's a, that's a, that that is of course hugely flattering and, and it's interesting in, in that there is a piece about david and um for heaven's sake alan gibson in the book, uh, two Somerset writers for whom I have enormous fondness. Um, yes, that was the way in which David did it in in his time. And, and he would write sort of 300 word micro essays when he only had that amount of space in The Guardian, an extraordinary act of compression. Alan Gibson um, did it slightly differently. There's one quote I use in the book in a report he did on a game at Somerset um, the, uh, it's the first 158, I, I think from memory, I think it's the first 158 words of the report are all about his pregnant cats. <laughs> and as, as, as I said, anyone thinking of following that pattern um, and working for a national newspaper should, should ask themselves whether they're equipped for a life on the streets because it really wouldn't happen. Um, if I filed anything like that for the Times, for whom I also work, um, I think I might get a fairly brusque phone call 
um, some of it in Anglo-Saxon actually, um, telling me that I can sling my hook. But yeah, um, David Foote, you're absolutely right. And there are two books by David that I would recommend if you if you get get something you like out of Summer Summer Days Promise. Um, you should try bo- a book called Fragments of Idolatry or Beyond Bat and Ball because they are David's longer essays. Not all of them, but one of the pieces is about Alan Gibson, actually, who was a, could be a, a bit of a so-and-so in his, in, uh, actually could be a lot of a so-and-so. <laughs> a bit irascible. Yeah, a bit, a bit uh, yes, a bit, uh, a bit irascible, you know, in the, um, yes, in the, in, in the, in the, yes, in the same way as you might describe Herman Goering is somewhat irritable <laughs> on occasion, you know. But uh, yes, a bit irascible is about is about right. Um, he could be a tough colleague, but he was also a terrific writer. He could also be very kind. Mm. Um, and what you say about the, but if you like that book, then try Foot on Beyond Bat and Ball and Fragments of Idolatry. And what you say about the way of reading the book is exactly right. It's not a book that you're going to read from page one uh, to page uh, three hundred and fifty whatever it is. I mean, some people might not get from page one to page two, but I can see. But it's a book you're going to dip in. You're going to say, oh, well, that's why the contents list. I I want, that was a late decision, and thank God I did. I said, look, we've got to have a reasonable contents list here to make, just so that people can choose, choose what they want. Um, I just noticed that light rain is falling in glorious sunlight oh, at New Road, and that again is something that I've never seen on the on on the ground. So yeah, you're exactly right, Frank. You dip into this thing, and and there's a piece about a Worcestershire cricketer that I imagine some people who support the county wouldn't know played for Worcestershire, and that's Frank Chester, yes. who who played for, who, who was tipped for England's uh, um, an England cap before the First World War, and then lost an arm and became. One of the most famous umpires those games ever known, and it was lovely, lovely to do that research. Most of it during COVID, of course. Most of it during lockdown, which thank God I've got a ridiculously large library, which you know I do. But never mind. Um, yeah, you're a Lancashire man. I've yeah. just finished reading Duncan Hamilton's book about mm. Neville Cardus, yes. who was a Lancashire. Different era to yeah. what you write. Any influence from Cardus on your writing? I, I think, I think anyone has an influence. Uh, is influenced by Cardus mm. because some of the reports, if you re- you know, yeah. if you if you if you're struggling to sleep, brothers, read some reports <laughs> from Victorian newspapers on matches um, in around 1890, and and you'll be you'll be off like a lark. I'll tell you, it'll be ball by ball. Yeah, ball ball and 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 balls are the appropriate word, I think. <laughs> but Cardus Cardus looked at mm. cricketers and tried to re- read their character. He, yeah, he made some of it up. He did. He made. He made. He made some of it up. But for the mo- for the most part, what you do have are intelligent and insightful and lyrical um, understanding and appreciation of character and an appreciation that the game, the cricket above all games, it seems to me, mm. is an expression of character. Yeah. And when you see, you know. Jack Haynes and certainly Jack Chantry or Darrell Mitchell um, batting or bowling out at New Road, you can think, actually, yeah, I know what these guys are like. Mm. I understand where they're coming from. Mm. Um, and Cardus is the f- was really the first person to do that 
uh, in cricket. The only, the only, the only qualification I'd make to that is that um, the classic of cricket literature, of course, is the Young Cricketers' Tutor, which was by, um, in quotes, John Nyron. But much of it, I think, was written by a chap called Charles Cowden Clark. That was published in 1833, and that looked at the Hambledon players mm. um, of the uh, in the early years of uh, the, the uh, one of the early great eras of of English cricket, before really the counties were thought of at all. But that insight into character is something that all cricket writers follow on. So yeah, Card. Cardus was an influence, and my God, he could put a sentence together. Yes, you know, th- there's a, the, there is a music to those sentences um, that, that 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 resonates and and takes you back to them actually. Mm. And sometimes with Cardus, sometimes with, and and another writer that we had, curiously haven't mentioned, Alan Ross, who's probably been the greatest influence on my work. Mm. Yeah, sometimes they're like they, it's like garlic because mm. you need to stay away from them. Yeah. For six months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other, other, otherwise, you re, you read your stuff and it's just a dreadful Im, <laughs> Im, imitation of their work. Um, is that and Alan Ross? That's where the title comes from, isn't it? Some of yeah. those promises. Is that right? Yeah. Stephen Chalk said to me, "Oh, don't worry about titles." He said, "Titles will come late," and that that one just you know fell off, fell like one of the conkers off that chestnut tree at the moment. It was uh, I was just reading um, Ross's. Uh, second volume of his autobiography, and it's in the epigraph, um, which is important to the book. Actually, the, the just that quote from from Alan Ross's um, Coastwise Lights, the second volume of his autobiography, and he makes reference to Summer Day's promise, and they still do. They still do to me. They st- next summer still promises for me, yeah, yeah. even even on this last day of the yeah. season. Yeah. And th- and I read that and I thought, yep, that's the title. That's the end of that job job done and I sent it to my publisher and said this is the title no no discussion end of and he was happy enough with that I'm glad you said what you said about characters because that to me is an essential part of your writing uh, Paul when you in this modern age you know digital age and it's all laptops very few people work with a pen and paper anymore in the press box and it's filed away and shot off very quickly after the game and so on but I think we've lost touch sometimes with cricketers as people. Yeah. Um, we we are very fortunate, Bradders and I, in that we have pretty much daily contact in the season with the, with the players, and we get to know them a little bit. Um, but I often think that, that when we read reports in the newspaper or online more these days about cricket and about football and so on, that that there's a perception amongst the public almost that you know you you turn up at the at the cricket ground in the morning and open the dressing room door and out they come these robots and they don't realise that they've got lives elsewhere and mm. they hurt when they fail and you know people sit and criticise and say they bowl badly and so on they don't realise how hard those guys are trying but I get that from your book from your your reports daily but in this book particularly some of your sort of in-depth profiles of players that you're really trying to find out what they're like as people yeah i absolutely do that i do it much more in profiles i much prefer to do profiles i mean i'm in awe of what the the local to be honest what the i'll creep back what (laughs) the local radio people do with their interviews after the end of games i don't do that many interviews after um, after matches, because in a way they've they've shown me what they're like. Yeah. The the player a player that makes a hundred has shown me a rather a little bit where he's coming from. In fact, rather a lot 
where he's coming from because you can see that in 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 the way that they bat if you watch closely enough if you if you look at the um, You've got to be if, able to read them, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to be able to read them, and it's better to read them than to read statistics about strike rates yeah. or, or, or bat speeds or, or, or something like that. I think your point about character is exactly right. One of the essays in the book um, that people seem to like is about a Lancashire slow left armour called Ian Foley. I remember him, yeah. And I, tragic story. Uh, terrific, yeah, uh, it is a tragic story, but... but in a sense, the two things people remember about Fall was A, that he got, he got the yips, and B, that he died early under an anaesthetic. What they don't remember quite, or some of them don't remember quite so well, is what a terrific bowler he was. But there's a very interesting thing. I talked to Ken Grime, who has worked for Lancashire for decades, centuries, I don't know. <laughs> and Ken said that he wants talking to Fall. And Fall said, I'll tell you about pressure, he said. If it's a, I'm paraphrasing slightly, if it's a flat track, no one expects me to, to do anything. No one, uh, People expect me to hold an end up or something like that, he said. But then he said, if it's turning, they want people look at me in the dressing room and they say, that we're expecting you and Simo, Jack Simmons, yeah. to take all the wickets. Mm. He said, that's pressure. Yeah. And he eventually, and, and Fall eventually from within two years, two years, actually, Nick Cook is doing his last game here. And Nick Cook, for an old Trafford test, Nick Cook, I think, had gone in the, gone in the fetlock and couldn't play. And Alan Ormrod, no, Alan Ormrod was rung up by, oh, the England chair of selectors, whoever it was. Sorry. Whoever it was that week. And said his, you know, how's, Fall bowling. He said it all right, but he's not quite where he was. And I think they went for John Childs mm, yeah. um, of Essex. And Fall didn't get a test cap. Within two years, the ball was bouncing four times, or it was sailing over the wicketkeeper's head. Mm. And it was one of the saddest things that um, people who played with Fall could could wish to see. And I wanted to, I wanted to read into, I wanted to do a piece that um, rather unpacked. Paul's character, but unpacked his successes mm. as well, mm. and the times when actually he, he bowled quickly, but also managed to have a dip and would and would take would take in wickets for fun, mm. and it was fun for him because he was a nutcase as well. Uh, changing the subject slightly, mm. we were having a chat the other day in the press box. Uh, somebody, sure. I, I think it was Kevin Hand asked us about favourite grounds. It was raining one day in yeah. Uh, front of your book is a picture of Sabba School, yeah. uh, and you were eulogising about the delights. He said, yeah, I think he said, you should go to Sabba even though there's not a game on. Definitely. Totally, totally, absolutely. I was there. I was. I, I was there for four days. For uh, I mean, I'm I absolutely paying out to be there this summer. Um, it is one of the most gorgeous and stark, and richly satisfying places I've I've ever visited and I've got I've got a place that I don't say I've got a place there you know obviously I'm a um quiet millionaire I don't know I have a place there where I can stay <laughs> millionaire maybe yes quiet, no. yeah, yes yeah, quite so right so thank you Radis. um well yeah wrong actually wrong on both counts then but now there's a the there's a yeah there's a place where I can where, where people let me stay and it's it's to find a cricket ground in that environment 
and the school, whatever people say about independent schools, and I'm not getting into that debate here, the school were, were and are enormously generous. And they were enormously generous to both Essex and Lancashire when they played a Royal London game there. They lay, the, the facilities they lay on, I mean, Frank will know a fair bit about this and the facilities the independent schools laid on. Lancashire turned up there. They had something like, they had two pitches ready for the game and two pitches on which, of first-class standard on which they could practice. And then, but in 2019, there was a four-day game at Sedford. I'm not sure there ever will be again. I hope so, but, you know, we'll have to see. But there was a four-day game at Sed- uh, there, and I watched, and something like a month before the Ashes, I watched Jimmy Anderson bowl to Cameron Bancroft mm. at Sedford, and I thought, this is great. And when I'd read pieces by Cardus at grounds that you and I will never uh, work at, like Dover... Or Hastings. I saw my first ever game of cricket at Hastings. Yeah. Well, well, I've, I've worked at Eastbourne. Eastbourne's yeah, still back. Eastbourne's still on for List A games. I, 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 I did the when List A cricket returned to Eastbourne. But I'm talking about Dover and Hastings and Glastonbury and places like that. And I thought, look at the places these play, these people have worked. Mm. And um, and then I went to Sedba. And I saw this ground in the Howgill Fells, and I thought, you know something, Cardus, and Robertson Glasgow, yeah. and David Foote, and and Alan Gibson, none of them worked here, but I have, so so have it, you know, <laughs> so, frankly, and and yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, we could talk all day, but it, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful read. This book, Summer Days Promise. As I say, on sale in the club shop at Worcester, but I think you could also find it in, as they say, in most decent bookshops. Um, there's something for everybody in this book, but there's probably a bit more for Worcestershire followers than for followers of many other counties. Can I just say, for us local Worcester boys, comprehensive school, left school at 15, went down the mine, there's no dot to dots all colouring in in the book. If you could, you know, next time you do one, if you could, please. I, absolutely, absolutely. I, I was thinking of that. That was a, that was a choice. I'll, I'll have the I'll have the, I'll put a, an, an appendix in the next book, and I'll just put for Bradders. Um, the um, the other thing is, by the way, there is more about Worcestershire, as I say in the book, about anyone else. And I will say, if anyone buys the book, as it, as it were, for a birthday or Christmas present, and they would like me to sign it, if they leave it at the club shop, with instructions as to as to what I should write and etc etc I'd be perfectly happy to do that for them brilliant excellent thank you Paul well done, lovely to chat well cheers thank, thank you. you very much right. indeed